0: Heavenly Father, you have given us the hope of salvation through your word, so Lord, we ask that you would help us by the Holy Spirit this morning to study it well and so that our hope in you is increased, and we pray this in Christ's name, Amen. Last week we began a new series in the book of Matthew's Gospel, starting at Matthew chapter 3, looking at the beginning of Christ's ministry on earth, but before Christ enters the scene, uh, he is of course depicted in the birth narratives in chapter 1 and 2 but before he enters the scene for his adult ministry uh, we have this forerunner who is called John the Baptist and we were introduced to him last week and his message that he was crying in the desert that the kingdom of heaven is near and so he was one who was preaching repentance that people should repent for the kingdom of heaven is near And Matthew doesn't just tell us about the message that John the Baptist gave. He also tells us about the man, and particularly the man's appearance. It's important to note that every word we have in Scripture is very valuable to us. And God has preserved it over the centuries to us. And so every word is important to consider as to why this is here. Why has God taken the effort to preserve these words for 2,000 years later for us today? And so why is John described here in verse 4 Is for us to consider this morning? And what is his appearance then? What has God preserved for us to know about John the Baptist's appearance? Well, one thing that we see described is his clothing, What was John the Baptist wearing? Well, we read in verse 4 John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. He had clothes that were made of camel's hair, and this leather belt is not the idea of a a nice leather belt like we would wear today. It's the idea of a a human, uh, sorry, human, uh, animal skin of some sort that has just been wrapped around his, his, his overflowing sort of cloak uh, so that it is uh, kept uh, tight around his body so that he can move freely enough uh, and maybe even quickly enough. He has this appearance then of one who is... He is one who has camel's hair upon him and this dried animal skin around him for a a waistband, for a a belt around his waist. But what else do we hear about John and his appearance? Well, we hear about what his food was. What was his food? Well, we read in verse 4, his food was locusts and wild honey. He was one who just lived on what he could catch while he was out in the desert. He lived on locusts and where he could find honey. And so... What do we learn about John the Baptist here? Well, in his appearance, there was nothing to attract people to him. His appearance was not attractive. I mean, who would want to wear camel's hair? Who would want to look at people wearing camel's hair and having this animal skin around his waist as a belt? And is someone who eats locusts and wild honey, which would often be dirty, we don't think of it as the honey that we have from beekeepers, Uh, that it's what's been found in rock crevices, it's what's been found in tree trunks, uh, so it has a bit of bark mixed into it. Is someone who has wild honey around their mouth, who's been eating some locusts, is that a person who is attractive? The answer has to be no. Uh, Even in that day where they didn't have the the fine clothes and the brands that we have today, and they didn't have the refined food that we enjoy, that's neatly packaged, and so we buy it from the supermarket in a very attractive presentation. Even in that day, someone wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey was not someone that was attractive. And even Jesus comments on this fact for us. Uh, look with me at Matthew chapter 11. Turn some pages over to Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus has been speaking to John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples. And we read in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 11, that as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Jesus is making a comment here that John the Baptist was not an attractive-looking man. He was not the kind of person you see in a palace. He was a person who was out in the desert living in the wild. He was not an attractive person. So then the question is, why did people go out to John the Baptist? Why did they go out to him? If it was not his personal appearance that attracted people to him, why did people go to him? It's because he was God's voice. He was God's voice in the desert there. John's appearance even reminds us of the great prophetic voice in the Old Testament. Who's that? Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament and we see his greatness in the way that even when Jesus meets with two people from the Old Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration, who is there? It's Moses and Elijah. Yet how was Elijah described in the Old Testament? He was one who wore camel's hair. He was one who was described as wearing clothing that was unattractive, who lived on mountaintops as we just heard from the Bible reading from 2 Kings chapter 1. And even Jesus confirms that John the Baptist is in the pedigree of Elijah, that he's a prophet like Elijah. Look with me at Matthew chapter 17. Turn with me a few more pages over to Matthew chapter 17, verse 12. The transfiguration has just happened. Elijah has appears, appeared in a dazzling white this time. Uh, but in verse 12, we read, Jesus speaking to his disciples, but I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognise him, but have done to him everything they wished in the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Jesus actually indicates that John the Baptist is a new Elijah. He is a new voice, like the voice of God in the Old Testament. Now John the Baptist has been a voice in the New Testament, the voice of God. And of course, we see back in Matthew chapter 3 that it is his voice that's important. By the way, that Matthew quotes from Isaiah in reference to John. Verse 3 of John chapter 3, we read, This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert. Not a man finally clothed in the desert, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then, of course, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 11 emphasises that people went out to hear John not because he was so well-dressed or because his food was so dainty, but because of his message. Look with me at Matthew chapter 11 again, Matthew chapter 11, where we read, Jesus says, did you go out to see one wearing fine clothes? And then we read in verse 9, the Lord Jesus says, then what did you go out to see? Matthew chapter 11, verse 9, a prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus tells us that people went to hear John because he was a prophet, a great prophet. He was the voice of God. And people went because they wanted to listen to God speak to them. They wanted to hear from God. And what did they want to hear from God? They wanted to hear how they could enter the kingdom of heaven and have eternal life with God. And they heard from John that it was by repentance, by turning from your sins, you can enter the kingdom of God. And so they went out in large numbers to hear John preach. And so I think we can learn from John's appearance for us today. There are things that we can learn. We can be encouraged today. What can we be encouraged? Well, we can be encouraged to consider what is our focus? What is our focus? Firstly, as a church, what is our focus as a church What is the priority of Dromoyne Baptist Church? Is our focus having great buildings? Is our focus having nice decor in our buildings and good lighting and sparkling clean surfaces? Is our focus on being great people? Having great buildings and having great people, people dressed in nice clothes and having nice food at our church lunches and when we invite people into our homes? Is it having flashy marketing strategies? Is it performing signs and wonders to attract people into our building? Or is our prime focus something else? Is our prime focus what the focus was for John the Baptist and his ministry? And what is that? Being a voice. Being a voice calling in the desert, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, it's not that we would want to be deliberately repulsive. John didn't preach naked. He put something on and he didn't starve himself and was horrible to look at. No, he ate. What he ate was not something that you may like to eat, but nevertheless, he sustained his body. He looked after his body to some extent. He wasn't deliberately repulsive to people. But we must ask ourselves, Are we overly concerned about dressing up the word of God in the things of this world? And I love that many of you here at Moines Baptist aren't here for the physical appearance of the people or the buildings that we have that God has blessed us with. Uh, When we were choosing, at one point, we had to make a decision. We have pews here, but we didn't have enough pews for everybody in the church. And so we had this decision to make, do we buy pews? Or do we buy chairs? Do we get rid of the pews and replace them all with chairs was another option? Uh, Or do we have pews everywhere in the building? Or do we have a hybrid approach, and you can look around the building now and see what we decided that we kept the pews We didn't replace them, but we added chairs in the building. But it was interesting at the meeting because people had all kinds of thoughts about what should happen. And, of course, there was different pricing. Uh, You'd have to get carpenters to make the pews or try and source them secondhand from another church, and then you may not like those pews. And so what are we going to do? And then there's all sorts of decisions about which chairs because there's so many options you could have. And it was interesting. Someone at the meeting, a fairly new member of the church and fairly new Christian, said, I'd be willing to sit on a milk crate and hear the voice of God in this church. And it was encouraging to hear. And it sort of popped the bubble that was sort of in the room of people who are advocating for pews and the people who are advocating for chairs that this person said, look, at the end of the day, milk crates are all we need because pews and chairs are not important. What's important is the voice of God being proclaimed in this place. And that's when it comes to the building. But I've also been encouraged, even when we were in lockdown, And of course, my physical appearance became more prominent when we were doing live streams. And so people, they weren't seeing the building anymore in their lounge rooms. They were just seeing a box with me in it. And my appearance became much more prominent. And for the first time in over 10 years of being at this church, someone actually commented on my physical appearance and gave me some advice as to what I could do. Someone actually said, your shirts are too pale for the camera. You need to wear darker shirts when you preach, Joel. And, um, I am mean, COVID, it was crazy. The lockdown, there were so many things to be thinking about. Whether cameras are working, uh, Whether how many people we can have in the building, there were so many things going on in my mind. The last thing I was thinking about was shirts. And so after the, the service, one Sunday, people were asking, how are you? How's everything going? We had the Zoom boxes and you could talk to people. And I said, oh... I'm crazy trying to think about everything And, and someone actually commented to me about my clothing for the first time. Someone said something about my shirts and what I should be wearing. And this person, this member, said to me, Joel, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. And the person was right. Physical appearance, it's small stuff. The clothing, it's small stuff. What's the big stuff that we should be sweating about? It's the voice of God, that the voice of God is clearly articulated in this place, that people are called to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so I'm thankful at this church that people are sweating the big stuff, that people care about the voice of God being proclaimed in this place. But some of you might say, skeptics might say, but just focusing on the voice of God bring people to heaven? And the answer has to be yes. It's God's word that has always saved. It is the voice of God that saves. I mean, it's the voice of God that brought everything into creation. It's the voice of God that sustains all things. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And so what is it that saves people? Nice looking clothes, nice looking buildings no, it's the voice of God. And we see that in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, it tells us in verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And then verse 5, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the Jordan River. He was just a voice calling in the wilderness. And what happened? What happened? People were saved. And we see it here at Des Moines Baptist Church as well. We don't focus on our clothing and our buildings. We do care about them. We don't try to be repulsive. But the focus is the voice of God. And what do we see? We see people being saved. Even next Sunday, it's a great privilege for us to see the fruit of the voice being proclaimed by the members of Des Moines Baptist as we see four baptisms next Sunday three of which are people who have been converted recently. How were they converted? By members of Des Moines Baptist being really well-dressed? By Des Moines Baptist having really nice buildings? By us eating really nice food? We don't serve locusts and wild honey at our church lunches and so they were converted. No, it's because they heard the voice of God. They heard the voice of God and they responded. So I'm thankful for your support here at Des Moines Baptist Church. Supporting myself to be a voice in this pulpit, your encouragement that you need to proclaim the word of God here, Joel. That I've only had once in 10 years someone actually tell me something about my physical appearance. And I'm thankful for your support of even having a new elder here at Des Moines Baptist Church. Last Sunday you voted that another voice would be added to the voices from this pulpit. And in this place, as elders continue to teach the word here, And I'm thankful for your support for a voice at a new church plant out in Western Sydney. That last Sunday you voted that we want to make sure that there's a voice out there in a place that is a bit of a desert. And we want to make sure that a good voice is out there. And I'm thankful for your support of voices of missionaries overseas that we each year, we make sure that we're supporting those who have gone to the ends of the earth as voices calling in the wilderness. And I'm thankful that you're supporting even the the work of the new childcare centre. That we're not just trying to get as many dollars as we can out of that place, but we're trying to make sure that a voice is on that site telling little children about the Lord Jesus Christ and that if they repent of their sins, they too can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm thankful for your support of the voices here in the kingdom. But let's keep God's voice the focus. Why? So that people repent and enter the kingdom of heaven and glorify our God with exceeding joy. But what about you personally? Are you a voice calling people to repentance? Yes, you vote to support Joel and you vote to support other elders and you support Joshua going as a church plant in Western Sydney and you support missionaries, you support the childcare centre, but what about you personally? Are you a voice calling people to repentance. If God used a camel-hair-wearing, locust-eating man, he can use all of us to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ. Christians often use inadequacy as a reason for not calling people to repent. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good with words. I'm not socially acceptable I'm not an attractive-looking person. And so people don't want to speak to me. I'm not a Christian long enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. Or I'm not holy enough to call people to repentance. But we must remember that ultimately none of us are qualified to be the mouthpiece of God. We're all jars of clay. We're simply clay, simply dust of the earth. We're all foolish. None of us are bright enough to be the voice of God. We're all socially unacceptable in our own quirky way. You may think that you're a beautiful person, but just wait for 40 years later. We're all just clay. We're not attractive people. And none of us have been Christians long enough. None of us are holy enough to be the voice of God. You say surely not you Joel. Yes Joel too. I feel an insufficiency in being the voice of God all the time. I resonate with the apostle Paul who said to the church in Corinth that he felt in inadequacy as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 turn with me there if you like now 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at the apostle Paul and what he said about his ministry amongst the church in Corinth. It's found on page 1129, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is how Paul describes his ministry in the church in Corinth. When I came to you, brothers, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I understand something of where the Apostle Paul is coming from. I feel my weakness. There's a fear and trembling in proclaiming the Word of God and calling people to repentance? What am I with my life and my resources and all my studying? I do study a lot and I have a lot of books. People say, you've got so many books. I'm actually concerned that my books, there's so many of them that the floor is dropping in my office, that the, the timbers are actually giving out and we have to address that in some way. Not by throwing out my books, I hope. Why do I have so many books? It's because I'm so foolish. I need help. I need resources to help me to proclaim the word of God. But what am I with all my life, with my resources, my studying, my reading? I'm just a voice calling people to repent. People like to compliment me and encourage me, which is wonderful, because I do feel the weakness. They encourage me about how they were helped by my sermons, and it's really nice. But why are people helped by anything that comes from my mouth? It's the Holy Spirit's power, not me. If it was me, they wouldn't be helped. It's only by the Holy Spirit. And so what happens when people are helped by things that come from my mouth? Well, we rejoice not in me, but we rejoice in God together, that he would use someone like me, someone who is just a jar of clay, who one day will be returned to the dust of the earth, that he would use me to proclaim something that is helpful to you. And so you too should know that with the same Holy Spirit that was in John the Baptist and the same Holy Spirit that is in me or any other person that God has used to proclaim his message, that same Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, is in you and you too can call people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So are you a voice in the wilderness, calling others to enter the kingdom by repentance? As you see people in the desert of life, which I spoke about last week, as you see people in the desert, do you call them to repent and come to Christ and enter his kingdom and have eternal life? Or do you watch them wander in circles, moving from one oasis, well, mirage, I should say, one mirage to another mirage? not being satisfied with the things of this world, and you see them go from one thing to the next, whether it's food, whether it's people, whether it's possessions, whatever it may be, they're going from one thing to the next. You just watch them wander around in the desert in circles. Is that you? If you don't call people to repent, what might be the reason for that? Is it because you don't believe the power of the voice of God, the word of God, the message of God, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and you think you need to be attractive first before you can have opportunity to tell people to repent well then if you don't believe in the power of the pure word of god is that because you've never actually believed it you've never believed the word of god and so you've never repented and you've never known the joy of entering into the kingdom of god so then is it any surprise that you don't like proclaiming repentance yourself. Is that the problem? If you never tell anyone to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, shouldn't that make you question, am I actually in the kingdom? Do I know the joys of the kingdom? Do I know the joy of Christ forgiving my sins and what it is to have eternal life in his name and to look forward to heaven that is to come? And so therefore I want others to do so. I want others to repent and enjoy what I know and the satisfaction that I've found in Christ. Let me be a voice calling to you now, if that is you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Come to Christ. Know the joy of him forgiving you your sins. Confess your sins to him. Find the joy that comes of his blood washing away your sins, and that he accepts you into his kingdom, an everlasting kingdom start living with Jesus Christ now and then you will of course want to proclaim to others, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Why did the apostles proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near? Why did they keep on telling people in the book of Acts to repent? Was it because they were such powerful, attractive men? No, they were weak and unattractive men. Why did they do so? Well, we get a clue in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, where the religious leaders are looking at Peter and John. And what do we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 13? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Look at these men and what they're proclaiming. They're unschooled, ordinary men. And so the world is astonished. These religious leaders are astonished. But what does the next part of the verse say? And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Why would these unschooled, ordinary men be so courageous and proclaim this message from God? It's Because they'd been with Jesus. They knew Jesus. And they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. And so, of course, they couldn't help but proclaim, even as unschooled, ordinary men, they were courageous because they'd been with Jesus. And so you two be with jesus know jesus and of course you will have courage even if you feel like an unschooled ordinary man you will have courage to proclaim repent for the kingdom of heaven is near because you know the joy that comes from repenting and entering the kingdom of heaven But some of you may say, I proclaimed repentance, Joel, and people didn't repent. It doesn't seem to work. Shouldn't I wait till I'm a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more attractive? It doesn't seem to work. It worked for John, it doesn't seem to work for me. Well, we have to understand that sadly, some people who hear the voice of God and hear the message to repent will never be happy. They'll never be happy with the messenger even as they hear the voice. And that's what Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, which we've touched on before, Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. Turn back with me, Matthew chapter 11, to verse 16. So we read before that Jesus said that John is the voice and uh, he is the one who is the new Elijah And verse 15 said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus says something very interesting. Verse 16. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. The son of man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Some people are never happy. They'll look at the messenger and they'll always have a problem with the messenger. You can dress yourself up and make yourself look really attractive. But people find something else to complain about and they will not want to hear the voice, and they will not want to repent. So we've got to make sure that we don't look to other means, that we continue just to be a faithful voice and leave the response to the hearers. Leave the response to the hearers. It's wonderful when people repent, and it does work. The voice of God works upon their hearts. But even if it doesn't, we must not give in to the temptation to dress up the message, because the message is what we're all about. There are places that have really dressed up their buildings. There are church buildings out there that are phenomenally beautiful. The amount of money that's been poured into their buildings. But they're dead places. There are ministers who are wonderfully dressed with far more expensive clothing than I can ever afford. But the message from their mouth is a dead message. It does not bring life. We must make sure that we are people who proclaim that message. We must do what Isaiah chapter 40 tells us to do, which we read last week. Isaiah chapter 40, turn with me there, page 714. It's already been quoted to us in in Matthew's Gospel, the the first part where it says that John is the voice calling in the desert, so from verse 3 of chapter 40. So turn with me page 714, page 714 if you have a church Bible. But we'll read from verse 6. Verse 6 says, A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? That is us. We are people who have been told to cry out. And we say, what shall I cry? Verse 6 tells us, All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. This is what we're proclaiming in the desert You're all grass. Do you realise what's happening as you go from one one mirage to another? Verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And then verse 9 tells us what to do. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is our message. Here is your God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. May we be a people who rejoice in calling people to repentance because we know that it brings people to everlasting joy in heaven. And does a hungry man who hears, well, a hungry man who receives food, does he really care where it comes from? If you're really hungry, you'll eat from a dumpster. The dumpster is unattractive. But if you're starving, you'll eat from it. And that's what people will do as we proclaim repentance to starving people who want to have eternal life. They won't care what you look like. They will bless you for telling them the way to eternal life. So may we be people who rejoice, who lift up our voices with a shout, who are people who love to tell the story of Jesus and his love, which is what our final hymn will be. Look with me at your bulletins there. The final hymn, I love to tell the story, verse 2. May we be people who cry out, verse 2, who sing, verse 2. I love to tell the story, how pleasant to repeat. It seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard. The message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story. My theme will be in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. If John the Baptist could preach, we can too, with that same Holy Spirit. If people listen to a man eating grasshoppers, they will listen to any of us and many of them may confess their sins and have eternal life and rejoice with us and glorify God in this world and in the next. Let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a God who changes hearts by your voice and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we thank you for speaking to many of us and then bringing us to repentance, an entrance into your kingdom. Oh Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would use us to be voices that call people to repentance. And may the Holy Spirit bring people into your kingdom so that we rejoice with them and give glory to you. And Lord, if there is anyone in this building now who is unrepentant and outside your kingdom, they're wandering in the desert from one mirage to another that does not satisfy oh lord we pray that they'd repent now that they'd turn from their sins and that they would trust in christ jesus for the forgiveness of sins and so enter your kingdom now and experience the joy of knowing the peace that is in your kingdom and we pray this in christ's name now amen